Welcome to a Springfield Mayoral Forum brought to you by the Citizens Club of Springfield, public radio station NPR Illinois and AARP Springfield. We're at the Hoagland Center for the Arts in downtown Springfield. I'm Sean Crawford, I'm the news director for NPR Illinois, and I'm joined by Angie Buse, a board member with the Springfield Citizens Club, and we'll be moderating the forum today. The candidates include the current mayor, Jim Langfelder, and city treasurer, Misty Busher. Our questions were submitted by residents, and we won't be able to ask all of them, we only have an hour, but we do appreciate all of those who have offered suggestions. The candidates did agree to the following ground rules. They'll each have 90 seconds to respond to each question, and we have a timekeeper here in the front row who'll be giving visual cues. If the signal is given, we'll ask the candidates to wrap up so they can get more questions answered. The moderators have the discretion to ask for follow-up responses or to give rebuttal time. And we also ask the audience to please hold their applause throughout the events and put your phones on silent if you have not already done so. So let's get started. Each candidate will give a two-minute opening statement and the order was decided on a coin flip. Mayor Langfelder won the flip, he will go first. Well, thank you, Sean and Angie, AARP, NPR and Citizens Club, Treasurer Busher and all you in attendance and those listening to discuss Springfield and our future together. I'm Mayor Jim Langfelder, a lifelong resident of Springfield. I've been married to my wife, Billy, for 33 years. We have three adult children and one grandchild, all living in Springfield. I graduated from Lincolnland Community College, UIS, and worked in the private sector in retail and banking, and served as your city treasurer for 12 years and as mayor for nearly eight years. During that time, we faced two critical crises together. The first was when the state went with two years without a state budget, which is the nation's longest fiscal stalemate since the Great Depression. During that time, they stymied our growth, owing our medical community over $100 million, CWLP over $15 million, and I successfully led our utility through that time and all of us through that time by protecting the utility and our residents with no rate increases. The second crisis was our COVID health crisis, which is still among us. It's impacted all of us in different levels. During that time, we uh, you know, continued our services. I protected the workforce. We had zero layoffs, no furloughs, and we moved forward in that direction with regards to uh, providing services like over $50 million of infrastructure improvements, provided $1.5 million in utility rate assistance to struggling businesses and residents. We also provided shot spotter technology and license plate uh, readers to protect our public and move forward in that direction. And just this week, for the first time in 12 years, we unanimously passed a city budget of over $700 million. And finally, we're keeping up with, to address some of our city's needs, like building the first fire stations in over 25 years for modernization and continuing to expand, or for the first time, expand library services. So I'd appreciate your vote April 4th so we can continue our progress and moving forward together. Treasurer Busher. Good morning, everyone. I also would like to thank everyone for their time here. Uh, thank the sponsors, thank the mayor, and then thank everyone who's tuning in, whether it be on Facebook or listening on the radio as well. Um, I am Misty Busher. I am your Springfield City Treasurer. I also have been born and raised in this community. My parents live out by the lake. That's where I grew up. I live on the north end of Springfield. I'm a very proud north ender. I see some north end faces in the crowd here today. My husband, Mike, and I, Micah, is an owner of one of our largest real estate companies in Springfield. And we have two children that we also raised in this community that we are very proud of. Why am I running for mayor? That is the question I'm being asked in the community. I'm running for mayor because I am the leader that you need in this community. It is about leadership. That's why I'm running. My leadership skills are what blessed me with an endorsement a week ago. Springfield Firefighters Local 37 Union, Springfield Police Officers and Sergeants PBA, P, PBA Unit Number 5, both endorsed me as your candidate for mayor. Sheriff Jack Campbell endorsed me. First responders endorsed Misty Busher for mayor. Why is that? Because I'm the leader that they see that they need to move this community forward. Crime is an issue that I have talked about during my campaign. Increasing the presence of neighborhood police officers. Making sure that our residents do not feel that they have to close the garage door at night when they drive in their driveway at home. 
People are worried about these things. Beautification of our city, being a leader in making up sure our city is cleaned up, taking care of our infrastructure, our streets, our sidewalks, jobs, job growth, economy, new industry, leadership. That's why I chose to run for mayor. That's why the men and women who are the hardworking backbone of the Springfield Police and Fire Department support me as your candidate for mayor. Because they know I have the intention of being a leader for this community and to be the change that you want to see. Thank you both. We will begin. We received many, many questions from our readers and uh, listeners and members about economic development and growth for our city. We'll alternate the candidates answering questions. So Treasurer Brochure, you'll start. Describe for us, please, the city has an Office of Planning and Economic Development. Talk about your goals and your vision for that department and how should its efforts intersect with that of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance? Also, would you support continuing the city's $250,000 contribution to the Growth Alliance, and why or why not? So I'm going to go backwards in your order, if that's okay, Angie. Of course. Um, Springfield-Sangamon Growth Alliance is very important to the city of Springfield and the growth of our community. It is an organization that has the support of a lot of our big business industries in Springfield, as well as Sangamon County itself. I have been talking to the business community, and our business community would like the city to have some form of a city economic development goal in conjunction with the Springfield-Sangamon Growth Alliance to have an actual planner in the city that works with the Growth Alliance to move the ball forward in getting new industries job growth to Springfield. That would include having some form of a, a new manufacturing facility. It would include having some form of a industrial warehouse. We are located perfectly for that. That is going on in other communities right in central Illinois around us and it needs to come, needs to, come to Springfield. I've also been talking about how it's a passion of mine to bring new technology jobs to our community. The tech industry is the future. Technology jobs do not always require a bachelor's degree and they pay 25% more than any other types of jobs with, that do not require a bachelor's degree. So I will work with the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance in order to have a planner at the city and in the Office of Economic Development. And I will also be a leader with that group and go out and sell this community to other industries so that we can have economic development and job growth and that we can fight our poverty level. All right, thank you. Mayor Langfelder? Well, thank you. Um, you know, economic development's always a challenge for all our communities, and it's how best do we work together. So we have regional planning uh, that we've supported through the Sangamon County and the city's partnership. We both fund that. And it's a reason we do that is to maximize our resources for that planning effort. How best do we coordinate our services, whether it's building code, zoning, and moving forward in that direction. With regards to Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance, we partner with them on several projects, Emberclear in Pawnee, with regards to the Pillsbury that uh, the city successfully passed $2 million to provide mediation uh, for that uh, area and help develop it. But most importantly, how do we do the outreach? How do we grow our community together? So we have, a, just to give an example, we have a great medical community, technology, education. How do we target our sectors to bring in individuals that will complement those industries? And so that's what Springfield Sangren Growth Alliance does. They go out and market Springfield to the world. And we have a carbon capture program that we're doing with CWLP with the partnership with the University of Illinois in Springfield to prepare for the future with regards to providing utility assistance as we move forward. The other partnership we have recently is with the Wyndham. I've met with Ryan McCready, discussed that challenging project. How do we move that forward so the doors do not close? It's been pretty clear the owner has that opportunity to do that if we do not find a solution. So we're working on these important projects together so we can provide for a future of economic growth for all of us. Mayor Lingfelder, one issue that often comes up in Springfield is development while also preserving historic structures. In fact, Horace Mann is uh, developing an older building downtown, redeveloping, and plans to demolish other structures nearby for parking, green space. 
How should the city balance growth while also protecting the architectural heritage of the city? Well, that's an item where the TIF comes into play with facade improvements and moving that direction. Uh, with regards to the Horse Man properties, and it's, uh, I did meet with Horse Man. They put a million dollars plus into the building on the corner, which is historic. The other two buildings, uh, you know, it's questionable whether they're historic. They had no historic value as far as that goes. Their importance is it's in the historic area. I walked through there and opened, you know, when you go in there, the roof's caved in. Unfortunately, through time, it's decimated those buildings. So we can let it go and hope for some developer that could come in, but it's been vacated for, I think, nearly 10 years. And like I said, a dilapidated state. So the important thing is how do we remediate that? They had the offer to put forward a plan, which we've accepted by the city council's approval, and move forward in that direction. But it does have a process we have to meet and move forward. The one important concept we came up with is with David Lee over on Adams Street. We provided assistance through TIF funds to extend the water line into the building that could, we burdened the cost, and then it could be utilized by the neighboring, res, or neighboring uh, entities to provide uh, water, the water system to go through the building so they can run sprinkler systems throughout the building so we could have upper story apartments available. So it's a cost burden that the city bore so the private developers can have upper floor apartment living and make it affordable. Treasurer Busher. This is a wonderful question from the community because we are not unique in our situation with downtown Springfield where we have historic buildings yet we want growth and development. And how do you preserve those historic buildings while keeping in touch with growth and development of our community? I know that there are some citizens who are upset right now about that same project you just referenced because they do feel one of the buildings being demolished is historic. And that is something that I think we as a leader and a mayor need to take on earlier. The city council and the historic society should have had plenty of time to discuss that very same subject so that we can have communication out loud with everyone. That is something you have a commitment from and me as your mayor is communication. We need to do the studies to make sure that those buildings, if they are historic, we have the conversation of can they be saved. There are grant funding opportunities out there for historic areas. And I know when you all travel and visit, you like to go visit historic areas. Historic areas are interesting and we like to see their architecture. So to tear all that down would not be the answer. So the answer is we need to communicate together, talk to the businesses such as Horace Mann that are looking at these buildings, what they want to do with them, study the historic value of them and the historic um, history of those buildings, make sure that they are, are or are not on the registry before we start talking about tearing them down, and then have the conversation with the public as well. I believe our aldermen and older women last Tuesday night had to take a vote on that, and I'm not sure that they all felt comfortable with the vote that they took because of the lack of communication. We have to do a better job of preserving those buildings and communicating it with each other. Uh, this question goes first to Treasurer Busher. As uh, the mayor alluded, the Horace Mann Project would use money from tax increment financing, commonly known as TIF. We'd like to hear from both of you about your philosophy on the most important and appropriate ways to use TIF funding and share examples of what looks like success for a TIF project. So I don't see my friend Rich Burning in the crowd. I refer to him as the TIF Santa when he comes to City Hall. Um, because it seems like sometimes we think that there is a TIF Santa out there and there is not. TIF stands for Tax Increment Financing. If the monies that you are using the TIF for is not creating increment, then I do not think it is a good use of TIF dollars. Those TIF dollars affect School District 186 the hardest. That is the taxing body who takes the biggest hit on the chin when we create tax increment financing districts because they get less money to educate your students in your future. It is no secret Springfield is at an 18% poverty level and that is a fact and it affects your school district. So we have to be cognizant when we create TIF districts and we approve TIF projects that those projects are always going to create increment, tax increment, to use them for non-for-profit purposes or city purposes because we don't pay taxes is not a good idea in my opinion. Mayor Langfelder. 
Yeah, the importance of a tax increment finance fund is to identify an area that needs help and growth. And how do we improve the tax increment through property development? So we've already done that in a number of ways. Uh, if you want to look around downtown, you look at the Chamber of Commerce partnership with Springfield with the old church on the corner of Fifth and Capitol. We redid that. We adaptively reused it thanks to Mike Murphy and others that helped make that project possible with the city's assistance and my leadership. With regards to the new YMCA, people say, well, that's a non-for-profit, uh, but look at it. We built that during the pandemic. It's a health facility that helps anchor both downtown and the medical community and is providing a transformational change for that area as well as Enos Park. We're using TIF dollars to do housing redevelopment in that area through a home improvement program, but it's just not downtown, it's on the east side. We're replicating the successful models we've done downtown on the Enos Park TIF as well as on the east side of Springfield. We've also protected the school district as one of our major taxing bodies because we know the importance of educating a child. So having the TIF in place actually puts them in a better position because the state legislature has specific language associated with their funding. And so we, when we renewed the TIF, we partnered with Jennifer Gill, the school district 186, to provide that increment that they would need to make sure that they did not take a financial hit, but else uh, they were benefiting by the TIF being extended. Mayor, the new city budget includes money for the Pillsbury Mills site. What do you intend to do to help redevelop this location both the next year and also in the future? Well, uh, what the Pillsbury site shows is what determined individuals can do for a community. And we thank uh, Chris Richmond, Polly Poskins, and others that really brought it to the forefront through their efforts. And so we have supported them through SSGA. We partnered with them to do the environmental study. We provided over $100,000 with regards to that and we're providing demolition funds that was pointed out. I recently uh, participated in a meeting with the Senator Turner, uh, Chairman Bammeter of the county, uh, of course the Pillsbury Group, myself, and they said, well, we received $2 million from the federal government, we need $6 million. An hour later, we were still discuss, you know, discussing $6 million. I said, well, it's pretty easy. We each need to do $2 million. So going into the budget, I didn't think that would happen, but through you know, coordination, of the passion of our city council members, we did allocate the $2 million. So that will help demolish that structure, get it development ready. And again, partnering with SSGA, they put out feelers. We have a, a, an organization or a company that we've been talking with already that we started as a city due to CWLP and what that leverage does for our community. So we do have a private sector ent entity that's interested. We've had uh, individuals from across the world that were interested in that site because the importance of that site is the rail corridor and what that can mean for future development. So there's some opportunities there, but it all comes down to money and who has the resources to bring it to the forefront. Treasurer. Uh Com compliments to the Moving Pillsbury Forward group because there were so many people who were afraid to take a bite of that apple and see if that project could be moved forward, which was desperately needed. And so uh, those members of that group know that they have my full support. Uh, prior to the budget being introduced, I reached out to those members and let them know as mayor I would have always supported taking down that project. And the money that was put in the budget to take down that project, you all need to know was put in the budget by your aldermen, your 10 decision-making body people who make the decisions for what goes on in this community, they put the money in the budget for you, not the mayor, the aldermen did. And you need to know that. The Moving Pillsbury Forward group had a brownstone, a brownstone study put put together for that group. There were three options that were put together that can go into that space once that building has been taken down. Those buildings have been taken down. And when I saw the plans for those, I was very excited and there are three very different ideas. And the light industrial site was the one that I got the most excited about because the community needs a nice place where they can go to work and walk to work and live in that community. Give, give the community good paying jobs where they can reinvest in their housing and their area there. So the light industrial part of the Brownstone project was what I really was excited about with moving Pillsbury forward. I commend our aldermen for fighting for this project and putting money in the budget for it and I would continue supporting the project. Mayor, do you have any rebuttal to that? So 30 sure. seconds, please. Oh, 30 seconds. Well, uh, you know, it's about sharing credit. You know, I don't take the credit for everything. 
And I established the TIF, which we extended from Madison Park Place to take it around Pillsbury. And the city council members, the ones that actually funded it, they were using TIF dollars. And so at the time they said, we're not gonna use TIF funds years before, now they'll use it. But we made the financial commitment. I worked with the alderman that takes in that area, Alderman Roy Williams, to come up with a, a measure where we'd split the cost between TIF and corporate funds because the city should make that commitment from a personal level, just not using property tax dollars from the individuals in that area. Several years ago, a study identified Springfield as one of the most segregated cities in the country and pointed out the large income inequities that unfortunately exist here. Looking at the east side, what is your vision with specific ideas for what the city can and should do to address dilapidated housing and spur more economic development on the east side? Treasurer Busher. Uh, I agree with you, there are economic inequities in our community, and when you drive around on the east side of Springfield, the streets do not look the same and feel the same as they do on the west side of Springfield. Neither do the sidewalks or the curbs. Uh, I was over on uh, Cook Street speaking with a business owner just yesterday, actually, and uh, we were walking around the area of their business talking about the rubbish that is all over the street, the sidewalk, the neighboring lot. And I said, as mayor, you have my commitment, we will get this cleaned up. Part of my platform is beautification of the community. That beautification needs to start on the east side of Springfield. We cannot go and ask new industries and businesses to invest in the east side of Springfield when we ourselves are not willing to invest in it. We have to make a commitment as a municipality to work in that social inequity. So cleaning up the area, fixing the streets, fixing the infrastructure so that we can attract new business and industry there. We have wonderful, hardworking citizens that live all over our community. My husband has one of the largest businesses in Ward 3. We have invested our own dollars, Misty and Mike, into the community. But we cannot continue asking other industries to do that unless we, the city, take care of the community ourselves. That will help with the social inequity, bring jobs to the area, and bring new housing to the area. Thank you. Mayor Langfelder? Yeah, there's definitely inequity. And going back to the previous question with regards to the funding of Pillsbury, that was the aggravation from Ward 2, Alderman Gregory, and Ward 3, Alderman Williams. They cut broadband funding, which the east side desperately needs to create the, or eliminate the digital divide. During the pandemic, we had individuals that we provided hotspots to for low-income children. And the city council kind of fought us on it, which I was astounded by. They fought us on funding the NAACP back at school program so we could upgrade their facility to bring children from their homes back to the school, the classroom over there. So we are definitely committed. Recently, we received approval from Bloomberg Harvard. We have a fellow here for two years. They understand the commitment that the city of Springfield under my leadership has for whole block redevelopment of the east side, specifically between 11th and 18th South Grand to Cook. TSB Hope had a project plan through the Chamber of Commerce, no funding. We put ourselves with the extension of TIFs and CDBG funds, our own commitment to private sector development to change that. We had a community connections program where we went door to door to ask, to communicate with the residents, not assume what is important to them because you have to ask and most importantly, listen to them. And that's what we're doing with our own public resources and private resources. So we are moving forward with Comer Cox Park, Teen Empowerment Zone, partnering with the private sector and public sector. UIS is helping with that initiative. And there's a historic preservation that we've done with the Taylor House, as well as CAP 1908 okay, on South you. Grant. Thank you. Mayor, many Springfield residents are concerned about crime and violence. What are the top needs of the Springfield Police Department and how do you plan to address those? Well, the top need was uh, during the pandemic and how do we uh, fare better than other communities. And the reason for that is our commitment to community engagement. And that was under Chief Winslow previously, and now it's been carried on by Chief Scarlett moving forward in that direction. During the pandemic, we implemented ShotSpotter technology so police would respond. On the east side of Springfield, we weren't getting the phone calls for shots being fired because they're immune to the situation. So that means they feel that we're ignoring them. 
With ShotSpotter, our police officers respond with minutes or a minute, and they go into a situation better prepared with what's happening in that area. But most importantly, the east side knows that we are being responsive to them. But recently, through the city council's efforts, and we are in negotiations, but we are you know, uh, moving forward with our contract negotiations. Most importantly, we've hired 42 officers recently. Chief Scarlett said that's the most officers that's been hired with the police department. Since I've been mayor, we've upped Manning by five. And as we go forward, we'll continue our efforts, especially with uh, MPOs, neighborhood police officers, having one in each ward, two downtown, to have that proactive engagement and we've also moved forward with our homeless outreach initiative. It's fell on our homeless outreach team, which is largely our police department, but we have expanded that to the healthcare community through funding of the city of Springfield. We fund a position where they go out with a, uh, combined with our police officer and the medical provider to provide that assistance to people on the streets. Treasurer Busher. Crime and violence is definitely on the minds of all of our citizens, not just the citizens on the east side. When I go talking to our citizens on the weekends, I hear about citizens who are concerned when they come home. They used to be able to leave their garage door open at night, and now when the sun goes down, the garage door goes down. They're worried. They're worried about people breaking into their homes, breaking into their cars. It's new crime that they weren't used to. In Ward 5, I had a resident show me bullet casings in her driveway that had never been there before. There's crime going on all over our city and our citizens are concerned. I'm glad the mayor has accepted my uh, request early on in this campaign to have more neighborhood police officers because I've been talking about one for every ward. So I'm glad to see that you've joined in on that. That is a great thing. We have five neighborhood police officers for our entire community right now and that is not enough. We also do not have enough police officers on the streets. They are thin in Manning. They are so thin in Manning that they cannot react to calls when they need to get to a situation. We have issues, if you talk to the men and women of the Springfield Police Department, you will find out, and it would make you cringe at how long sometimes it takes them to report for maybe a violent crime going on inside a home. It is scary. We have to support the men and women of the Springfield Police Department and give them the manning they need in order to have community policing where it is not reactive, but proactive. And that is the plan I have put forward. And you have my commitment as your mayor, and the men and women of the Springfield Police Department know they have my commitment to get that done. Thank you, and again, we're trying to cover a lot of issues, so we ask candidates to try to stay on time. Um, Shot spotter, you just mentioned, the city has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this technology, which is designed to pinpoint the location of gunshots. Some questions have been raised in other communities about its effectiveness. We'd like to know if you believe that Shot Spotter has been an effective program, and if you are mayor, would you want to continue or even expand this program? Treasurer Busher. So it's a good question because shot spotter is a controversial subject. Uh, being an elected municipal treasurer, I've talked to my counterparts across the state. And a lot of my counterparts in the Cook County area have told me that shot spotter has worn its effectiveness out in their area because the people creating the high crime uh, issues with gun violence have started using silencers so that the shot spotter doesn't pick up on it anymore. So I believe that's probably part of the reason why it's such a hot topic of does it work, does it not work, because there are ways around it as there are with pretty much anything. What I would do as mayor is rely upon the expertise of the men and women of the Springfield Police Department and rely upon what they feel is needed in order to assist them to do their job. If they get to the point that they feel shot spotter is no longer working, as some of my counterparts are telling me is happening throughout our state, then I would listen to their advice and their expertise. I do want to create a technology center for the police department to assist in data coming in from crimes so that we, are, we have a better handle on issues such as such, shot spotter, and creating the data and having citizens working with the Springfield Police Department helping with that with the data center. So I do understand the controversy with shot spotter because it is not always working in all communities. Mayor Langfelder. Oh, without a doubt, there's no controversy. Anytime you have uh, police respond exp you know, exponentially, that's what it's all about. That's what ShotSpotter's done. Even though Alderman Redpath voted against it, he now embraces ShotSpotter. He understands the technology. 
partnered with license plate readers. It gives the police officers the information they need to not only react, but be proactive and also collect evidence through data analytics. So we're doing the data analytics right now. With ShotSpotter, we've taken it to the next level, ShotSpotter Connect. That's where they use data analytics from previous police reports combined with the ShotSpotter information, and now Chief Scarlett and his command staff can deploy officers to be proactive in hotspots around our community, wherever it is. So they are doing that right now. And evidence is we are 40% uh, a decrease of 40% in violent crimes. And so that's an initiative that's been successful through time and it's worth it's, uh, every dollar we spend towards it. Uh, Mayor, the next question for you. The city is apparently studying if it should expand uh, and change ambulance service in the city, become municipally operated. Your thoughts on that approach? On the EMS in general? Yes. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, Everybody's, uh, when a tragic situation happens, everybody reacts. But we've been uh, proactive before then looking at EMS services. Actually, we had a consultant come in. It's in the Illinois Times. I encourage everybody to read that article or articles. And at that time, when we brought the study forward with the consultant, the fire department union fought it because they were afraid what the report would say. Now they embrace it. But that was before, you know, we started that initiative before the pandemic, before Earl Moore Jr. And what we don't want is another Earl Moore Jr. tragedy happening. And we should not be capitalizing on that tragic incident. So we pulled together the uh, ambulance companies, the hospitals, um, you know, and also our fire department to determine, and police department determine how best to address the situation so it does not happen again. And we're working through that process. With regards to the report, we're, we've uh, pulled together a, an advisory group uh, way before this particular incident. But the most important thing we need to do is have a better process in place. And that's what we're working together through all those agencies to determine how best to serve the public in a compassion and equal way. Because it doesn't matter if you're the mayor of Springfield or Earl Moore Jr., anybody. When you have a call to service, you want to make sure you receive the, the, service that you, the health service that you deserve. Treasurer Busher. I've stated before, and I want to say it again, anytime someone loses their life in Springfield to the hands of any sort of first responder EMS personnel, it's a sad day. So I pray for the Earl Morse family. Our EMS personnel in this, within the city are three private ambulance companies. Uh, some are profit companies, some are non-for-profit companies. Uh, those companies are finding that it's hard to, which is a nationwide problem, have the hired service personnel they need on those ambulances to give you, the residents, the service you need when you call 911. Because they've had such a hard time getting, and it's a nationwide problem, it's not just a Springfield problem, um, getting the right personnel that can get on those ambulances, our men and women of the Springfield Fire Department have been climbing into those ambulances, performing the medical services that you, the citizens, need. Our working men and women of the Local 37 Firefighters Union have been complaining to this mayor and his administration since 2021 about that service and about the need for help with the ambulance services, the EMS services. This conversation was going on for quite some time. You, the residents, what do you expect? When I talk to people, they tell me when they call 911, quite frankly, the residents it's not a concern of theirs if it's a for-profit, non-for-profit ambulance company or the men and women of the fire department. They just need the attention they need during the emergency. That's what they expect. That's what they pay for with their tax dollars. So the city should have been having a conversation long ago about this to attack this problem. I have the endorsement of the local fire department because I have committed to working with them on this issue. Moving on to CWLP, under your leadership, how should the city go about planning for how to phase out coal generation to be in compliance with state mandates to be 100% carbon free by the end of 2045, along with the interim emission reductions goals? Treasurer Busher. So I took some time over the, uh, right after Christmas on December 26th, I went to Paducah, Kentucky and met with an engineer from Paducah Power to find out what they were doing because they were a coal-fired power plant. What are you doing to replace coal-fired? We have to look at what other industries and what other communities are doing in order to replace our baseload generation, which is coal. Our um, 
our utility is working towards getting more solar and battery generated power for renewable type energy. We should already have a plan in place of how we would be at 30% solar, and that is a plan I would work for as a mayor. We need to be at least 30% solar. That baseload generation is going to need to come from another area, and there needs to be a study so that we can figure out how to create that baseload energy. If you, the citizens, purchase your energy from Emberclear, you are not creating your own energy. That is an option, but you aren't creating your own energy. So we need to have the discussion. We need to look at how we create our own baseload energy in addition to renewables. And then we need to look at what's best for the community. Our citizens are proud of city water, light, and power. They are happy that we own our own power plant. And we should not just turn our back on it and turn it off by purchasing power from Embaclear. We have to look at our options and I have the commitment to do that, and I've already started doing that, talking about what's going on within the entire country with coal-fired power plants. Mayor Langfelder. Yeah, first on the uh, response, you know, with the uh, fire department, you know, we, are, we have enough staffing for 14 fire stations, we have 12. So for decades, we wanted a Southwest facility because the response time out there is six to eight minutes, while the rest of us enjoy four-minute response time. So finally, we put ourselves in the fiscal position to move towards that to build a firehouse out there. So what it, you have to look at is the totality of the situation. It's not one union. It's all of us. How do we work together to provide the services we all need? CWLP is an important factor. With regards to Emberclear, when Brian McFadden came to my office, he goes, well, Mayor, I hope you don't throw me out of the office. I said, well, I'll listen. And so they talked about the plant, which is in direct competition with CWLP. We worked it out where we could provide water to that resource. And what that does is water is a resource of the future, but we leverage our asset to put us in a better position so we could, if we needed to, utilize that resource. We're looking at solar. We've had a plan to redevelop or build our own farm. But unfortunately, uh, with the pandemic, everything went south, which we know. But we have a small uh, solar installation right now, but we continue to move in that direction. With regards to carbon capture, we partnered with the University of Illinois, which is funded through the federal and state government to have a carbon capture which will capture at least 98%, but we'll know in a year how much of that carbon will be captured for a usable byproduct and will be an economic and environmental game changer across the world, which will put Springfield on the center of that epicenter. Thank you. Mayor, how and when the city forgives debt has been in the news. The recent decision to waive thousands of outstanding CWLP charges for the owners of the Wyndham Hotel, for example. Describe your philosophy on what circumstances should trigger debt forgiveness and also what information about forgiven debts should be shared publicly with taxpayers and how. Well, thanks to the city council, I think the public will have a greater understanding of what happened in executive session because they voted to release that uh, information. and. You know, that's a, a direction that the council provided feedback on. With regards to the Windeman itself, we had a, you know, passionate discussion, probably three hours. Uh, we had a plan in place to move forward with the project, uh, but everybody expressed the importance of only having hotel space. And so that's where that got hung up. It didn't go forward. But the, uh, you know, the owner specifically said that, you know, if there's not a plan in place, he cannot afford to continue to bankroll the hotel. So it is already zoned for apartments and hotels, so it'll be a hybrid mix. But when we talk about the utility, they paid every penny of the usage that they had, electric and water. And uh, actually, uh, what they have is around 80 meters in there. So they have these meter charges. And so that's the uh, fee that was waived, if you will, uh, to make sure that we collected the $1.2 million of utility usage. And the other thing is the infrastructure that we build out. Every business, they have a demand charge, and that's due to the infrastructure that's built to your business. And then when you flip the switch, if you have a charge of electricity that you need, it's covered. What wasn't shared was CWLP has their own uh, communication system on top of the building. So if we cut the power, we cut utility and 911 services to our entire city, putting us all at risk. So that's part of the uh, variables that you have to work through to come to the conclusion that we did, the correct conclusion in keeping the doors open and moving forward. Treasurer. So the debt forgiveness is something that I think needed to be addressed. Uh, over a month ago, I came out with 
uh, press release saying that I would, one of the first things I would do as mayor is present an ordinance for council passage that would require all debt that is forgiven over $10,000 to require council approval. All debt under $10,000 would be in a monthly report provided to the city council, which also means it's provided to you, the taxpayers. This is your money. This is your utility. The $250,000 or a little under debt forgiveness was taken by the mayor and Jim Zirkel. It was not taken by the council. There was not a vote on that, and you need to know that. The council did not vote for that. When I asked our public utility how many other entities had that same type of coverage forgiven, they said none. That's what they told me, none. So you, the citizens, need to know what's going on with your money. You will not have to FOIA that information from me as your mayor. You have my commitment that it will be out there publicly in advance. That is what you need, transparency in government. It is your tax dollars, and you have my commitment that I will do that. Police and fire pension liabilities have been a source of great concern for years, even raising the prospect of the services needing to be cut. Please assess for us your view of the city's current condition on this issue and what you would do as mayor to ensure that we move in the right direction. Treasurer Busher. So the police and fire pension debt has continuously grown. It's not gotten into a better light, it's worse. Part of the things that we do as a community is um, the city looks at an actuarial evaluation and decides what they think the rate of return for that investment is gonna be for the year. And then the city determines what they're going to contribute to that plan. From the years that I have been treasurer, I have not seen that rate of return hit the goal that they always thought it would be at. But we've never gone back and recalculated what did we miss out and then put that money in. So as you just keep not underfunding, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger the whole. So we have to address when our rate of return is irrealistic that we go back and we analyze what we underfunded and put that money into the pension. The state of Illinois, our state legislators, the House and the Senate and our governor have tried to assist all downstate municipalities with pension consolidation of their assets. As treasurer, I move those assets into the consolidated plans for Springfield Police and Springfield Fire Pension. Those plans, the idea is that you can invest the money in larger pools with the other municipalities to get a greater rate of return and spend less dollars on your fees for doing so. Those plans just consolidated last year, so it's too soon to tell you if that is working out or not. But I will continue to work with our state legislators as your mayor to make sure that we keep those pensions funded, and then I will look at that rate of return annually and shore up the differences. Thank you, Mayor Langfelder. Yeah, first on the uh, debt question, you know, the treasurer says she'll do this as mayor. As treasurer, she could have brought forward an ordinance working with the council members to address the debt issue because that's what it's all about. I brought forward ordinances as treasurer that did that. And so that was in her realm that she could have brought forward the ordinance that she's talking about that she'll do as mayor. With regards to the pension debt, that's a challenging situation. Joe McMinimum, Alderman McMinimum, he beats that drum. And thankfully for his continued leadership in that realm, we partnered with him. We paid excess of $10 million to pay an additional amount that's not required by law. So we put ourselves in a better f fiscal position to do that. With regards to the lobbying efforts or uh, movement of funds to a centralized area, I participated through Illinois Municipal League to make that happen, to work with the state government to do that. The answer to the question is how do we move the, uh, uh, the appropriation out 10 years to match the state police pension fund? It's just like refinancing your mortgage. By doing that, you lessen the amount that you have to put into it. But in order for cities to participate, they should continue to contribute at the current level they do, and that will make, it will provide for additional funds going to the unfunded liability and meet our obligation. But the bottom line is, um, you know, we have to meet that obligation, and that's one of the reasons I push for residency, because the workers of the city of Springfield should contribute into their pensions. What is, and we'll start with the mayor on this one. What are uh, Springfield's most critical infrastructure needs, and what's the plan to address those? Well, the needs, of course, uh, you know, are underneath us. You can't see them, are sewers, and we've addressed that through ARPA funding. We've uh, moved forward with a, a plan, an engineering plan, to have sewers extended around the lake, getting uh, septic, symptoms, uh, septic systems 
off the uh, lake area, and we provided uh, right now, so we should have that plan uh, completed within a year. And then we started that uh, sewer conversion, which has been wanted for decades. We're making that commitment to complete it within a five-year period, so we'll continue to move in that direction. But the sewers, uh, we have a uh, sewer study with out north with regards to environmental study to see what the best plan is in place to make sure we address that particular area. Um, outside of that, roads, we've done over $150 million in roads, sewer improvements since I've been in office and moving forward in that direction. So uh, the bottom line is if you have a road in a near neighborhood or a sewer that's not working, we haven't done enough. But there's hundreds of millions of dollars of work that needs to be done. We continue to make that annual commitment to move forward in that direction and we'll continue to do so by applying for grants, leveraging our financial resources as much as possible. And as I said, we've done over $150 million of that type of work since I've been in. Treasurer Busher. I do think that sewers are our most critical, in critical infrastructure need. In 2020, when we received our first round of ARPA dollars, it was a little over $16 million, I sent an email to Corporation Council Zirkle, Mayor Langfelder, uh, Director Bottom, and um, our Office of Budget Director, uh, Bill McCarty, and said, I'm not a voting member of the council. I don't even have a seat in the horseshoe. If any of you watch the meetings, I sit in the back. Um, but as a elected official of this community, I believe these ARPA dollars need to be have the majority of them spent on sewers. The city has a sewer department under the Department of Public Works, and they would work, those working men and women of that department would work on those sewers. I have a friend who lives on Lowell, an older neighborhood in Springfield, and she sends me a picture every time there's a big rain of Lake Lowell, and that's what she calls it because she cannot back out of her driveway because the storm sewers are not adequate. That area has been there for quite some time. It is time that we look at our sewers and that we make our sewers our main focus of infrastructure. Those ARPA dollars were an unexpected windfall of money. Sewers aren't glamorous, they're not pretty, it's not shiny like a new penny, but man, they're needed. And when they don't work and when you have flooding and you have citizens who have sewage backing up in their basements as they do in Ward 8, that's a problem. That's where I would have spent those dollars is on our sewers, our public sewers. Thank you. Several years ago, an effort to pass a resolution that would have affirmed Springfield as a welcoming city to immigrants and refugees failed in city council. Would you support any renewed effort to pass such a resolution, and why or why not? Treasurer Busher. So as we all know, there is a, a giant influx of um, immigrants coming into our country, mostly from Mexico, South America, that area. Um, a lot of those immigrants are coming through in the uh, state of Texas, clearly. In that state, I have friends who live in that state, and I actually was knocking on doors in Panther Creek, and there was a couple I met there that are just here for two years that are from Texas, Texas residents, and they've explained to me, just as my friend has, that lives in my best friend who lives in Houston, their social service agencies in Texas are overrun with people who need help. That's why the people who are coming into our country as immigrants are being put on buses and sent to other areas because there is no more ability to help them in the state of Texas. They are tapped out. So let's say we get a, a bus of immigrants into the city of Springfield. What I would do as mayor is I would be out there with our medical professionals, our men and women of our police department, and with social service agencies to see how I could help those people and get them into, integrated into our community and identified in their strengths and their weaknesses and their healthcare crises so we can help them. We cannot turn our backs on human beings. I am a mom and I know that some of these people coming into our country are parents, they have children, and it's really, really important to me that we extend our hand to anyone who needs our help in the city of Springfield. We have loving, caring citizens here, and we will embrace people. Mayor Langfelder. Yeah, this issue is uh, personal to me as a first-generation American. Uh, my father came to this country, but in order to come here, he had to have a sponsor. And the reason for that is it would prove your success in our community and provide, uh, you know, give back to our community. So with that, you know, uh, the welcoming resolution did come before the city council. At that time, Alderman Fulgenzi said, well, just change one word, make it legal immigrants. And this is before the great influx of immigrants that have come across the borders, and the change wouldn't be made. But I've had discussions on the federal and the local or state level with regards to the importance of showing that support 
for immigrants that come to our country. You have to ask sponsors to prove that they can be successful. And we've had these discussions. I said, we need to not only do that, but also help our homeless. How, you know, we have to take care of them because we do have influx of people right now that come into our community. When you ask someone on the street, if you pass by a homeless person or if they're on the corner panhandling, they think they're uh, homeless, a lot of those aren't. But have a discussion with them. Ask them where they're from. The plurality of them are not from here. So we need to have the resources from the state government, from the federal government, to help support individuals that come into our community, but they should help identify resources, entities that are willing to help, like my father had when he came to this great country, is uh, through the Jewish Federation, through Salvation Army, many great organizations like that will provide assistance that we work in partnership so we can provide a better living for everybody. Thank you. This next question goes to Mayor Langfelder first. Uh, will you pledge to provide the requested annual city portion of funding to the Heartland Continuum of Care to implement their five-year comprehensive plan to address homelessness in Sangamon County, and why or why not? Yes, we've already made that commitment. Uh, we committed uh, $2.3 million of our home opera dollars towards that entire initiative. I met with uh, Josh Sabo and the Continuum of Care. Uh, we worked together with our HUD consultant to provide those resources based on the strategy that the city worked with the um, Community Foundation of the Land of Lincoln, uh, the SSGA, the Continuum of Care, and others to bring forward that plan of action. So we are funding that. Uh, Alderwoman Conley made the amendment to, to add $250,000 outside of that, those dollars to commit specifically for that. So uh, we are making that commitment, uh, but it goes way beyond that. You know, for me, it's all about people on the streets, and housing's like a ladder. So you have a housing ladder. Well, the ones on the street haven't reached that first rung. We need to get them to that first rung of supportive housing. And we've supported Salvation Army with the low barrier shelter. We're supporting the Sangamon County Helping Hands Initiative with to adaptively reuse juvenile center and move in that direction. But we have to have that wraparound services of supportive services, and that's why we've committed to provide additional uh, funding to provide a position through Memorial Health Services that combined with the Contempt of Care to work with individuals on the streets, get them off the streets and into a better position in life so we can move them up that housing ladder, whether it's to the non-for-profit agencies, to the housing authority, helping hands, and moving forward to uh, self-sufficiency as much as possible. Treasurer Busher. In answer to your question, yes, I would commit the funding that was needed for the Heartland Continuum of Care's five-year plan in order to end homelessness. The home ARPA dollars is a separate subject. That is a subject to put a housing initiative off of MacArthur Boulevard for people. The question was about, do you support the Heartland Continuum of Care's five-year plan? And yes, I would do that. It was a sad day when we lost the Center for Health and Housing a little over two years ago. It is time that we as a community pull up our bootstraps and we embrace what we can do for homelessness. I also would support the county's initiative to help Helping Hands move over to the Dirksen Corridor so that we can have a 24-hour shelter for our homeless citizens. Currently, there is not a 24-hour shelter where our homeless citizens can stay. So when you see homeless personnel or homeless people on our streets in our town, it's because during the daytime hours, they don't have a place to go. The street is their home. We have to support that issue that the county has initiated with Helping Hands so that our homeless people of our community actually have a place to stay 24 hours a day. And it would also be a facility where families can stay together because we currently do not offer that as well. So yes, this community has my commitment to the homelessness initiatives of the Heartland Continuum of Care. Unfortunately, we are out of time for questions, but we do have the closing statements, and each candidate will again have two minutes for a closing statement. Mayor Langfelder, you'll go first. Well, thank you again to AARP, NPR, and all of you in attendance, Angie and uh, uh, Sean, we appreciate it, as well as Treasurer Busher. This election is about Springfield's future. Who best can lead our community towards that future? With myself as your mayor, we've faced the most challenging times of our lives. And we've done so successfully. I led through the state uh, not having a budget for two years with no rate increases to our utility rate customers. I've also led through the COVID pandemic and we've all done it together. 
and move towards the future. So with that, what I want to see done is the rail consolidation by 2025, and that will create economic and community development on both sides of the track. And then it will create a greenway, pedestrian pathway that connects our community on 3rd Street and economic and community development efforts. We're going to continue with our class one fire rating department, as well as our police accredited services to better protect our community together. We'll make that commitment with housing initiatives that we've done, over $60 million of commitment that we put forward with housing redevelopment for affordable housing and providing for others. As we move forward to our future, it's essential that we provide for the, our utility. Water is the greatest resource. That's why we'll see the record of decision with, with the Army Corps of Engineers on a backup water source that we do not have, as well as carbon capture and moving for a carbonless future so we can provide that low rate utilities that everybody would like and move forward to the future. But most importantly, we want a place where all neighborhoods are safe, where everybody would like to live. As mayor, you have my commitment and we just recently passed a $700 million budget to address our needs within our community unanimously for the first time in 12 years. That's the type of leadership I brought forward and I let my record stand for itself and I would appreciate your vote April 4th so we can continue our progress to provide the type of future we would like all our citizens to see. All right, now a closing statement from Treasurer Busher. Thank you. Thank you again all for being here. Thank you to our moderators and thank you to our sponsors. Um, my, I am the leadership that the city needs. I have not been on the city's payroll for the past 20 years. It is a new face, it is time for change. I am the change you want to see. I'm glad the mayor brought up the budget in his closing statements because I was gonna focus on that in my closing statement. Your aldermen, your decision-making body, the 10 aldermen you elect to represent you in your wards had one meeting to look at amendments, talk about them, and vote the budget through because of lack of communication and lack of preparedness. You will not have that with me as your leader. The budget will be out ahead of time, and your working aldermen will have time to discuss it in a good fashion and have open discussion so that we can get a budget passed way before the 11th hour as it has been as I've been treasurer. I also want to let you know that I am going to see the railroad corridor through. I don't know why that keeps coming up. I've never threatened to not see that go through, and I think it's a great project. I am so excited about the, what the county building is doing with the transportation hub that they are building. That is amazing that we're going to have SMTD, bus service, we're going to have Greyhound, and we're going to have Amtrak all in the same place. To catapult on that, I want to create more activity downtown with an expansion of the BOS Center so that we can bring more conventions and visitors downtown so that your tax dollars thrive. I am here as your next mayor to be the change you want to see in your community to make good things happen. We have a lot of communities we didn't get to talk about during this forum. Uh, our scorecard for our LGBTQ community is abhorrent. I will work on that, you have my word. There are things that we need to look at as a community that we are lacking, and I am the leader and the change and the voice that you wanna see to fix crime, to help the men and women of the first responders, Springfield Fire, Springfield Police, get the manning they need so that you, the citizens, get what you are paying for with your tax dollars. Early voting has already started, and I would appreciate your support during this election, thank you. Well, I do want to thank the uh, two candidates, Mayor Jim Langfelder and City Treasurer Misty Busher. Thank you both for agreeing to participate today. And also want to thank Angie Muse for helping moderate the forum. The Springfield Mayoral Forum was brought to you by the Citizens Club of Springfield, AARP Springfield, and NPR Illinois. And as was mentioned, Election Day coming up April 4th, early voting now taking place. So make your voice heard. A recording of this forum will be available at the website nprillinois.org. Also, a reminder, the next Citizens Club event is set for March 24th. There will be representatives from Moving Pillsbury Forward, providing an overview of the Pillsbury project, including its history, current status, and future plans. I'm Sean Crawford for NPR Illinois, and again, thanks to our audience for being here today and for those listening as well. Have a good day.